0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 11, 2019. Today's pretty much a dedicated study, and we're going to really switch gears. Uh, and this is entitled, How to Pass from Curse to Blessing, by Derek Prince. And after I listened to this, I really felt like the Lord was convicting me to, pray, to play this for my listeners, and that <clears throat> this is one of... I think the most important things that you can do after you're saved and in as close proximity to after you're saved really the better all the more the better Uh, I wish I would have known about this you know as a as a um a new Christian you know when I got saved back in that was like the end of 93 1993 94 and uh, evidently um <clears throat> Derek Prince passed away in, I guess they said, two thousand and three. But just like when Worley, his messages are, you know, more timely today than ever. And I'm just going to go ahead and play this, and I'm probably not even going to do a lot of commenting on it. Uh, maybe some. And uh, it's about an hour and a half, so this will this will be at least two parts. Just this this part of the teaching, and then afterward. I'm just going to get into a little bit of other things that we can do in addition to this to further bolster what has been set in motion with this teaching. And this is all about getting freedom from bondage, from demonic bondage, and from curses that may be on our lives that might, we might not have had anything to do with whatsoever, They might be generational. It might be things that other people spoke over you, that, that, you know, you, it's not even your fault, but nevertheless, it still could be affecting you to this day. So if there's areas in your life where you can't get victory in these types of things, a lot of times it boils down to these issues. And it's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of breaking these curses off or getting deliverance, getting free from this demonic bondage. And then we can actually get victory. But again, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. You can't see curses. You can't see devils and demons. They're invisible to the naked eye. And so you you may be totally unaware of them. They, they may be so ingrained into your life that you think, well, this is just the way I've always been and it's the way it should always be. And that's not the case. It's not the case at all. I just had a listener email me and said, you know, total born again, Christian listener and said, I've had like something to the effect of severe suicidal depression and suicidal thoughts for 35 plus years. And I'm like, man, you need to, (laughs) we need to address this. That's not, that's not, not, that's not right. That's not normal. You can get freedom from that. And so this is kind of a, a little study that we're doing today. Actually, you know, probably at least two parts. Where this is like ground zero, bedrock things that you can do after salvation. I mean, obviously, getting baptized and taking the Lord's Supper. These are these are ordinances that are talked about. But if you look at Jesus's ministry, about one third of it was deliverance, and about the other third was healing. And a lot of times the healing involved deliverance. And meaning you had to cast out the devil before the healing could come. So that's not talked about a lot in today's day and age. And binding and loosing isn't talked a lot about. And deliverance isn't talked about. And healing isn't talked a lot about. And, and because it doesn't line up with some denominational um, parameters. Because they don't do that in that denomination. Even though denominations in and of themselves are totally unbiblical... 100%. There's no bible for denominations. In fact, the bible pretty much condemns it. In Romans where, you know, it was already that that whole thing of denominational pride really is what it boils down to. One saith I am of Apollos, one saith I am of Paul, meaning Paul saved me, apollo saved me or led me to the Lord. So I'm better because I'm in Apollos or I'm in Paul's camp or I'm in Peter's that's that's garbage is the the Bible goes on to say is Christ divided no it's not the way it should be but it's the way it is you know so anyway let's just go ahead and play this how to pass from curse to blessing by Derek Prince this was probably recorded I would think sometime in the I don't know looking at the footage to me I get this 80s kind of vibe to it so kind of the time I I was you know in my teenage, years and stuff so i get a kind of an 80s vibe to it but again it's just as timely for today's day and age in fact it's it's more important now than ever
1: that i want to deal with tonight is how to pass from curse to blessing i'll say that once more how to pass from curse to blessing i believe that this message can be of tremendous help To many of you here tonight I believe I've proved this over the past years that this message can change lives communities churches and even nations I believe there are many of you here tonight who are fighting see it's that big of a deal
0: this message is that big of a deal in fact so much so that I am like I've put this at the start now of Like, I've got a a file on how to deal with devils, you know, and and sometimes it's things you can do in your house. Sometimes it's things you need to do personally, you know, um, things you can do in your house, like play the King James Bible 24-7 things. But I've got this now at the very beginning. Once you're saved, I think this should be a foundational teaching that every Christian should hear. And this could literally revolutionize all of Christianity if Christians got a hold of this and then... I really believe got further deliverance even after this, because this isn't really, there, there is a deliverance aspect to this, but um, it's not actually like the deliverance that Win Worley goes through. That's a whole other issue. It gets into a lot more specific things. And then you can do more specific deliverance beyond that. I think these are the things that should be done right after a person gets saved. Instead of having to go through a life as a Christian and battle and struggle with all these things that and I'm not saying we're never gonna, I'm not saying you're never gonna struggle with the flesh and this is gonna make everything perfect, but it's sure gonna make things a whole lot better. And it's like in peeling a layer of an onion. You start on the outer layers and you go in. And so this is more like an outer layer, take, shotgun approach, take care of a lot of stuff. And then the wind whirly, which I think should go after that, the mass deliverance stuff he does, that should be, if you do this first, the other is gonna work even better. And then if you do the wind whirly thing, And I'm going to get into that when we do go there. If you do that deliverance, I don't know, as many times as you're not, do it as many times as you're not actually manifesting deliverance symptoms. And I'll get into that later. You're just going to be in such a better spot. a christianity standpoint there's going to be things that you were struggling with before you're not going to be struggling with anymore there's going to be things where you feel like the whole world's against you and you're under a curse which you very well may be and all of a sudden that starts to lift so this is this is a very positive uh liberating awesome christian teaching that everybody needs to hear that's a christian now i i wouldn't You know this isn't for the unsaved but this would be after salvation
1: something that you don't fully understand in your own life some kind of frustration something that every time you're about to succeed intervenes and keeps you from success something that holds you back from being a complete person from being completely free, from being able to serve the Lord the way you would wish to. From leading a life of real victory. I believe in many cases the problem that you're fighting with, that you've never diagnosed, you've never come fully to grips with, is that there is a curse over your life. I would like to tell you first of all a little of how I myself was led into this truth. Some years ago in a Presbyterian church in America, I was conducting a deliverance service. I'd come to the end of my message and had not yet begun to minister. I was standing behind the pulpit and on the front row on my left I noticed a family, father, mother and teenage daughter. And as I glanced at them, it seemed to me the Holy Spirit said to me, there's a curse over that family. I had no other reason except that it seemed to me the Lord showed it to me. So I stepped from behind the pulpit, went up to the father and said to him, sir, I believe God has shown me that there's a curse over your family. Would you like me to revoke that curse and release you from it in the name of Jesus? And immediately he said yes. I had no idea at the time why he so immediately accepted that statement. So I stepped back behind the pulpit and said a short simple prayer breaking the curse over that family. And when I said that in the name of Jesus, although I was not in contact with any of them, there was a visible physical reaction in each of them when I broke the curse. Then I noticed that the girl, the teenage daughter, had her left leg in a cast from above the thigh to the bottom of the foot. So I went back to the father and I said would you like me to pray for the healing of your daughter's leg. And he said yes but he said you need to know that she's broken it three times in 18 months and the doctors say it will not heal. Now today if I heard that one statement that a person had broken the same leg three times in 18 months, I wouldn't have any other need to know that there was a curse over that family. Well because the leg was in a cast I said all I can do is just hold the cast in my hands and pray. And I did and prayed a simple prayer. Now the story is more complicated but I'll tell you the, just the main outlines. Shortly afterwards I got a letter from the Father thanking me for what had happened. And saying that when they went back the next time to the clinic to have the leg x-rayed the x-ray showed that it had healed. And uh, she was soon out of the cast. Now as I meditated on that experience this thought came to me. God showed me there was a curse over the family and led me to break the curse before he permitted me to pray for the healing of the daughter. Why? My conclusion was that she could not have been healed until the curse was revoked. In other words the curse was an invisible barrier that kept her from the blessing that God wanted her to receive. And then God began to deal with me about this whole matter of blessing and curse. And as I turned to the scripture I was amazed at how much the Bible has to say about it. And how little has been preached in most of the places and congregations that I'm familiar with. Then I'll tell you an up-to-date testimony which I heard when I was in South Africa in November of last year. I met a Jewish lady who is a believer in Jesus, saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she told me and Ruth this testimony personally. She was a very highly qualified executive secretary. And under the influence of some teaching that she'd heard. Uh, Christian teaching. She prayed to get the best paid job in her profession in Cape Town. And she got it. (laughs) And she found herself working for a man who was a president of his own particular business. And uh, she soon discovered that this man and all the executives in the company were in some strange kind of cult that was led by a woman prophetess. And uh, in a little while the her boss said to her our lady guru whatever you want to call her has pronounced blessings over all of us. We'd like you to type them out for us. Well when she started to type them she discovered that they were anything but blessings and as a committed Christian she didn't feel free to type them. So she went to her boss and explained the situation and said I just don't feel free to type these. And the boss was very gracious and he said I'm sorry but I didn't realize it would go against your conscience. Of course we wouldn't ask you to do that. Now I don't know exactly what happened next. But my guess is that this lady guru heard about this incident and prayed some kind of a prayer for this executive secretary. uh, Which wasn't really too good a prayer. Anyhow almost immediately after that This lady began to develop acute arthritis in both hands. And her fingers curled up and became absolutely rigid and stiff. She couldn't bend them, she couldn't do anything in her profession. And the pain was agonizing. She couldn't sleep at night. She couldn't sleep in the same bed with her husband because every time he moved The movement of the bed caused such pain in her fingers that she couldn't sleep. She went to a, a professional in this realm, a doctor. And he diagnosed it as rheumatoid arthritis. Well, a friend of hers, uh, another Christian lady, had heard my three messages that I mentioned here this evening, curses, cause and cure. And brought the cassettes to her friend the executive secretary to listen to. And they got through the th- three cassettes to the end of the third where I lead people in a prayer of release from any curse over their lives. At that point, the cassette jammed. It wouldn't go forward, it wouldn't go back, and it wouldn't eject. Now that's a totally supernatural situation. But the lady who brought the cassette said, well as a matter of fact, I typed out this prayer of release and I had the typed version with me. I'll ask you to read that instead. Well, this Jewish lady was pretty uh, sophisticated and she really didn't believe very much in curses. She thought there was something medieval. She'd listened to the cassettes just to please her friend. And at first she didn't want to read this prayer of release. But eventually she agreed with her friend to read the prayer and as she read it out loud, and it doesn't last more than three or four minutes. Her fingers uncurled, became completely free, the pain ceased. And by the time she had finished reading the prayer of release, she was perfectly healed. She then went back to the same doctor and had him check her and he said medically you are totally healed. That came only by one thing. Was no prayer for healing. All there was was this prayer of release from a curse. All right now let's look at the Bible and see what it has to say about blessings and curses. First of all there's a lot in the Bible about them, you'd be surprised how much there is. Both blessings and curses are usually expressed in words, either spoken words or written words. But those words are not normal, ordinary words. They are words that are charged with supernatural power. And the power may be the power of God. Or it may be the power of Satan. And one of the features about both cursings and blessings is when they come they usually continue from generation to generation to generation. (coughs) So that a person who is experiencing either blessing or cursing may not easily discern where it comes from. Because it may be in the past even hundreds of years. Interestingly enough I was teaching on this in Adelaide and uh, we had a dramatic response there and a lady wrote me a letter afterwards. Her ancestors were from Scotland. They were from a clan called Nixon and she knew she had the historical evidence which she gave me uh, a photocopy of. That because of clan wars between the Scots and the English in the 16th century, the bishop of the Church of Scotland had put a curse on that clan. And she realized that how many centuries later, four centuries later, things were happening in her family which were due to that curse that went back more than four centuries. Now you can be, raise your eyebrows and look surprised but I'm going to show you biblical examples of this. So curses and blessings are words that are charged with supernatural power, maybe the power of God, maybe the power of the devil. They are words which impinge on people's lives and to a large extent determine their destiny and most often they will go on from generation to generation even for thousands of years. Now, if there is a curse on your life, I want to say right out tonight, God can give you a solution. He has provided a solution. But let me first of all, give you an overall picture of this situation. First of all, let's take a couple of examples of blessings. The first is in Genesis 22, where Abraham had just been willing to offer up his son Isaac in response to the Lord's. Uh, requirement. And then at the last moment the Lord provided a ram to be offered instead of Isaac. And then the Lord spoke to Abraham from heaven. And he said in Genesis 22 verse 16. By myself I have sworn says the Lord because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you And in multiplying I will multiply your seed or your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Notice that the blessing was going to go on to Isaac's descendants. And then it says in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's very important to notice the reason for the blessing. Because Abraham obeyed God's voice. That is the basic reason for the blessing of God. Then if you look on a little further in Genesis chapter 27 you find how Isaac blessed his son Jacob. But the strange thing is if you remember the story that Isaac thought he was blessing Esau who was the firstborn. But while Esau was off hunting the venison which Isaac had asked for. uh, Rebekah, Isaac's husband, substituted Jacob who was her favorite son. And in order to get away with the deception because Isaac was blind, she dressed Jacob up in Esau's clothes. And cooked a kid of the goats instead of the venison. Serving it up the way her husband liked it. And took the skin of the kids of the goats and wrapped them around uh, Jacob's neck and arms so that he would seem hairy like Esau because Jacob was a very smooth man and Esau was a very hairy man. So along comes Jacob pretending to be Esau and Isaac checks and says are you my son Esau and Jacob says yes I am he told a lie and then Isaac blessed him and this is the blessing. I'll read it Uh, beginning of verse 24 then he Isaac said are you really my son Esau? (laughs) He must have felt there was something strange and he said I am. And Isaac said bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. I think you have to see that Isaac was a little bit carnal. He wanted his stomach filled with his favorite food before he could pronounce the blessing. I, 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 years ago I gave a teaching on how a wrong attitude to food corrupted the family life of Isaac. I wish I could do it today, but I can't. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing. Remember it was Esau's clothing. And blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven. Of the fatness of the earth. And plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. And let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be those who bless you. Understand that blessing was tremendous in its scope. And it went on from generation to generation. Now a little while later. In comes Esau with the venison tries to offer it to his father and his father realizes he's been deceived and that he blessed Jacob when he thought he was blessing Esau. But listen, this is uh, Isaac's reaction in verse 33 when he discovers the deception. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. Isn't that amazing? Because Isaac thought he was blessing Esau, but he knew the words that he'd pronounced didn't come from himself. Do you understand? It was a prophetic blessing. And because it was prophetic, he couldn't unsay it. So Jacob got the blessing, Esau didn't. But I want you to see the nature of blessing, that it's supernatural, it's not.
0: Esau had already, Esau had already sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage okay via jacob so that was something he had already given up and now this is just confirming that i mean that was a that was a choice esau made so uh so we've got um god blessing abraham's seed so you have abraham isaac jacob jacob was the one that now got another blessing and the blessing basically i will bless those that bless you and and curse those that curse you so again we got to be super careful about the whole thing there's a gigantic movement where you've got one movement where it's like hebrew roots movement messianic stuff where you've got to keep the sabbath and you got to do all the stuff Man, read the book of Galatians if you believe that. Read it real close. And that's just one of the places in the New Testament. There is no Bible for that at all. You know, if righteousness cometh by the law, then Christ is dead in, in vain, is basically what the Bible says. Um, the book of Galatians. I mean, there's no way that, that you could read the book of Galatians as a Hebrew roots person. And not have a lot of conflicting feelings if you're being honest with yourself. There's no way around it. And that's just one of the many places in the New Testament that gets into that. And then you have the other you have the other sect of Christians that are believe the Jews are all the source of all evil and that they lump them all in with the evil Zionistic synagogue of Satan Jews. And it's you know, I'll be honest, it's it's kind of um, I understand why they go there. And it's, it's easy to slip into that, but you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. So that's a super important concept to get a hold of. So Israel right now is blinded in part because they rejected Jesus Christ on the cross and they said, let his blood be upon us and our children's children, meaning Jesus's blood because they picked Barabbas instead of Jesus to be pardoned, um, in that time period where they would have had a where where they would have had a an opportunity to um, pardon Jesus, they didn't do that. They chose the murderer Barabbas instead, and collectively they brought a curse upon themselves that has continued to this day. And the crux, I think, the worst part of the curse is the blindness that has happened to them in part because here Jesus comes; he fulfills all these hundreds of scriptures. In the Old Testament, in their book, to a T, and they still don't see it or believe it or whatever. But in Zechariah, it talks about that they're gonna, they're gonna, there's gonna come a day, and it's not gonna come without a lot of, you know, uh, tribulation. They're gonna be, they're gonna be refining the fire as silver. The bible talks about in zechariah the jews and a third part of the jews are going to come through that fire and they're going to look upon the one whom they've pierced meaning jesus and they're going to mourn for him as one that mourns for their only begotten son so a third of the jews and you know whenever the tribulation starts but let's theoretically say a third of it because it could start you know in this year next year you know, I'm not saying it's going to, but theoretically it could, is the point I'm trying to make. One third, let's just say for argument's sake, of the Jews that are walking the earth to this day are going to collectively get their eyes open near the end of the tribulation. They're going to understand that Jesus was their awaited Savior, and they're going to understand they rejected him, and, and they're going to have something to compare to at that point because they're going to realize that that devil that they let come in and defile the rebuilt temple was the absolute opposite of Jesus In fact, they call him the Antichrist, capital A, because there are many Antichrists, small a, but he's he's the Antichrist, okay? So they're going to realize they were duped. So a third of Israel will be saved, and their eyes are going to collectively be opened. That curse, I believe, is going to be lifted off them at that point when their eyes are collectively open. And and then, now, now not to say there's not Jews walking there today that are, that are, uh, that aren't saved because there are but i'm talking about more of a corporate one-third of all jews getting saved type of thing so it's just very important for us not to throw the baby out of the bathwater and and to demonize all jews and to group them in with the evil synagogue of satan Zionists, which do control heliwood and they do control Uh, a lot of our of our politicians and they have a very evil nefarious agenda there is no doubt on that as well but again they're of the synagogue of satan but if if you look at the illuminati hierarchy okay they're one part of it they're not who's at the top you could blame everything on on the jews but hold on who's at the top of the food chain well satan and his fallen angels and his demons and his devils, And then we get down to the human representation or, or Nephilim. I'm sure there's a lot of Nephilim walking there today. I've covered that in a lot of my teachings, you know, 13 family, 13 families of the Illuminati. Well, yeah, well, they're all Jewish bloodline. Well, you know, that could be the case. I, I don't know. Sometimes those bloodlines switch, switch and change and things of this nature. Uh, but there's a lot of other aspects to the new world order to bring in Satan's kingdom. than just the synagogue of Satan, Zionist Jews. Yes. They're one of the main cogs, but they're not the only one. You can't just blame it all on them because Satan's at the top of the food chain. He's not a Jew. His fallen angels. Aren't Jewish. The demons, the devils aren't Jewish. I, I, I saw a pyramid the other day where, you know, I know there's a lot of them out there where it shows you the hierarchy of the Illuminati and, and it, it, it's, It goes way beyond just the Zionistic synagogue of Satan Jews way beyond that. So I think that's very important to understand that because again, this is a way we could have brought a curse upon ourselves by, by cursing, like, let's say cursing the Jews collectively for what you perceive they're guilty of. And you're lumping them all into one fell swoop and you're throwing the baby out of the bathwater. So I I wanted just to clarify that point. I'm I'm not saying he's not going to, but I I wanted to, and I've I've touched on this in a lot of my teachings, but I felt that it was necessary just to retouch on that real quick. So let's go further
1: here. Uh... Just a wishful thought. It's not just kind sentiments. It's something that is supernaturally empowered and determines people's destinies. That's true alike, blessing and curse. Now we're going to turn to the opposite theme curses. First of all I'd like to turn for for a moment to Proverbs 26 verse 2. Proverbs 26 2. Like a flitting sparrow like a flying swallow so a curse without cause shall not alight. That's very important. If there is a curse, there's a cause for it. And in many cases, in order to be released from the curse, it's important to discover the cause. The curse never comes causeless. Now I'm going to look at some sources of curses. Different sources of curses. First of all, God himself. God has many times pronounced a curse on nations on individuals. It's one of God's severest forms of judgment. I'd like to look first of all at the calling of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. This is where God called Abraham when he was still called Abraham to go out from his city Ur of the Chaldees and so on. And there is actually seven stages to this call. If you look in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now note the sevenfold calling of Abraham. Number one, I will make you a great nation. Number two, I will bless you. Number three, I will make your name great. Number four, you shall be a blessing. Number five, I will bless those who bless you. Number six, I will curse him who curses you. And number seven, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the sevenfold call of Abraham and God's sevenfold destiny for Abraham. But notice the sixth one is a curse on everyone who curses Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And you see, that goes for Abraham and his descendants, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, and the Jewish people. That's a very important point for all of us to see. When God calls a man to a special task, that man becomes the target of Satan's enmity in a special way. And so God built in a protective clause for Abraham. He said, I will curse him. Who curses you. What's that in modern language? What is it that curses the descendants of Abraham? What's the word we use? Anti-semitism. That's right. So you see God curses anti-semitism. In other words anti-semitism brings a curse from God. That's God's protection of the Jewish people. And you surely have to agree they've needed it. So there's one factor, maybe that affects the life of some of you. Maybe you or your parents or your ancestors have been enemies of the Jewish people. You've spoken against them, you've criticized them, you've cursed them. Understand that will bring a curse on you and your life. Now I'm going to explain to you how you can get free from that curse. But that's just one example. And then in Deuteronomy 27 God ordained that when Israel came into their promised land they were to pronounce upon themselves 12 curses. If they disobeyed God in certain respects. It's found in Deuteronomy 27. Beginning In verse 11, Moses commanded the people the same day saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you've crossed over Jordan. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali. They couldn't enter into the promised land without being exposed to both a blessing if they were obedient. And a curse if they were disobedient. There was no way into the promised land but through that. And then 12 curses are listed. Now we will not go into them in detail but I'll just read the first. The Levite shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes any carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret and all the people shall answer and say Amen. All Israel had to invoke upon themselves a curse if they became involved in idolatry, in worshiping false gods, or in what we call in modern English the occult. That's the first and primary cause of curses in people's lives, is involvement in idolatry, the worship of false gods, And the whole realm of the occult. And in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 the first commandment the Lord said I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall make no graven image to worship. And he said if you do I will require it of the three following generations. It will not only be visited on you but on the three subsequent generations. So you understand that you may be struggling with something in your life here tonight which is due to your grandfather or even your great grandfather or your great grandmother or some other ancestor. You see how important it is to diagnose and identify the problem. I'll just summarize the other main causes of curses listed here in Deuteronomy chapter 27. First of all as I've said idolatry and false gods. Second, dishonoring parents. And that's very, very important. I don't doubt that there are some of you here tonight who have problems in your life because your attitude to your parents is not right. Remember the first commandment with a blessing is the opposite. Honor thy father and mother that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. I want to tell you, in all my experience in Christian ministry, I have never met a person who dishonored father and mother and had it well with them. Never. I don't believe such a person exists. It automatically exposes you to a curse. Now I don't mean you have to agree with your parents or even do everything they tell you to do. That depends on the way your parents are living. But you have to honor them as your parents. It's the first commandment with a promise of blessing. You understand? I don't know how many people I've met whose lives have been straightened out. When they straightened out their attitude to their parents. And I, I think of others who never did it and who never were blessed. I think of one member of my family who's dead. He died of cancer at the age of 40. He was saved, baptized in the Spirit and served the Lord. But he never enjoyed the blessing of God because he never put right his relationship with his mother. Who was a Spiritist. So he had all the problems you can imagine. But he could have escaped from them if he dealt with his relationship with his mother. See I'm not talking about theories. I'm talking about things that I know from experience. The next reason For curse is illicit or unnatural sex. Any form of unnatural sex brings a curse. Any form of homosexuality or bestiality will bring a curse. Also, sexual relationships with members of your family that are outside the permitted range. Uh, And today we have to... Like incest, but also...
0: Really, what goes along with that? And you know, I did this teaching a long time ago, but it was called Biblical Sexual Prohibitions. I'll probably put this in the in my PDF. In fact, I'll probably stop this now after I get done talking, just to remind myself before I forget. I'll put it in the PDF because um, there's a lot of things that people think are permitted in the bedroom, and they're not. Any form of oral sex. You know, and I don't want to get graphic, but that is, that is a form of sodomy in the Bible. How the the Bible would biblically determine any form of oral sex. Because a lot of times you think, oh, that's just sodomy. Okay. Where, you know, like two guys, you know what I mean? I don't really want to get, say much more than that. Or even a male and female, you know. Sodomy, but actually, the term sodomy, the actual term that was well known up until um, very recent times before it was kind of changed, was actually oral sex as well. And I get into that in the teaching. So that could be a, something that, you know, you're even doing in a marriage setting and thinking there's no big deal. And You could be bringing a curse on yourself. What if your wife's on birth control and she's been aborting babies in her womb for twenty years, unknowingly, because that is a way birth control can work. I'm not saying it always works that way, but it is one of the ways. Pill patch, you know, can work. IUD. I mean, obviously, that's totally interfering with implantation of a fertilized egg. And I know they say in the IUD, well, the Copper in the IUD kills it before it gets to the, depends on what kind of IUD you have, but that's not, that's not sure fire. Uh, and not only that, it's um, IUDs are, are I, I've, I've done whole, I, I think I might've got into that in the sexual prohibition, interuterine devices, they're really, really bad. Um, so those are all different ways that you could be bringing a curse on yourself or on your family line and not even knowing it not thinking you know there's anything wrong with it and that comes from you know the medical field like the pill the patch iuds and all that other stuff and i mean here you've got the medical pharma cartel which literally is one of the main arms of the new world order which is ultimate goal is to kill all of humanity off and create a sick weak population that's easier to control who are going to give us the vaccines and have given us these tainted vaccines many cultured off aborted babies and we're going to trust them come on okay so i'm just gonna like the table of uh or the description of this audio that i did this was back in august of 07 one of the things i say is we will will be looking at the shocking whole definitions of sodomy fornication and intercourse and also some new text new testament text some used to, to justify any sexual action regarding the marriage bed okay sorry i got interrupted there uh we will also see how biblically how biblically these types of sins defile a person in a way that other sins do not this is a whole other classification of sins and this is, much of what we would get into in this teaching was common knowledge 100 years ago. But it's been slowly repressed since then. I wonder who is repressing it. Was it God? Or was it Satan? Could it be a big reason why the world is so perverted? And why things are so bad? Yeah, I mean, the whole, ir- the whole thing of sexual sins highly ties into the abortion industry, if you think about it. I mean, you got to have sex to have an aborted baby. And normally that's illicit sex. Normally that's fornication. Most of the time, most of those abortions are not happily married couples going in there to abort their babies. I mean, I would say that's a fraction of what would be considered there. So the the sexual sin alone, when you look at all of the things that have went along with that, with the abortion industry being heavily tied into with pornography, with the true definitions of sodomy, with uh, the whole homosexual, bisexual, gay, bisexual, transgender movement. These are all things that defile the land. When you shed innocent blood, men with men, um, humans with animals, that's another thing mentioned in Leviticus, which does happen and is increasingly happening, all of these things defile the land. Not every sin defiles the land, but murdering and sexual sins typically will defile the land. Abel's blood cried out from the land, it said. And the Bible's very clear in Leviticus that there are certain types of sin that, that defile the land bestiality, uh, homosexuality, sacrificing your children. Well, all of that, what is the what is the crux of all of those things, sins that I just mentioned? They're all sexual in nature. So really, this is kind of like bedrock. Where he doesn't really... Um, and this is why I have to stop and comment along the way, because he's not going to say a lot about that. About the sexual sins. But I'm going to give you... Not because I'm better, but just because I've actually done a study on this that you can listen to. I'm going to give you and go into detail on what is covered here and still keeping it biblical. I'm not going to get into the graphic gory details, but I mean, you're going to understand. And these are things that could curse you. And it might be a big reason why you've never been able to get freedom. So here's another thing that I'm going to add in here. debt and the curse i have a whole file on this i'll probably post this in there in our study relating to what the bible calls the curse which the lord created to correct and turn his children around in repentance that can be a reason it's used um but he can also curse pagan nations and that might be for their destruction we find that debt is part of the curse um And I don't want to do a whole study on this, but when we look at the blessing principle God gave in the first covenant, Deuteronomy 28, it says, The Lord will open unto thee his good treasure, his good treasure of the heavens, and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord will make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath if thou hearken unto the commandment of, the Jeho- of Jehovah thy God. Have you noticed the church just loves the blessings? Of course we do, but very few ever mention the curse. Let's pay close attention to what God says about debt. We will start in Deuteronomy 28. But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee to this day, and that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So he's saying these curses will come upon you and overtake you if you're not observing all his commandments and statutes. Uh, the sojourner that is in the midst of thee shall mount up above thee higher and higher and thou shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to thee and thou shall not lend to him. He shall be the head and thou shall be the tail. That's part of this curse. Now granted, I understand this is, this is Old Testament Levitical given to the jews but obviously there's there's scriptural applications for this in today's day and age let's pull off the mask of borrowing and debt it is clearly stated by god as one of the curses we haven't haven't we all been bit by that serpent let's go a bit further as we begin to pay attention to what god says proverbs 22 7 the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender romans 13 8 no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And that's a whole other subject. How many of us read those verses and really never gave it much thought as we finance that car and financed our home remodeling and our new appliances and our vacation or whatever else our soul lusted for, or put it on a credit card because you're borrowing when you put it on a credit card. There is no debit cards are fine because you're not, it's your money. And I get it. If you had a credit card and you paid it off every month and there was no interest charged to you, I personally don't personally I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you have the money to pay it off, it, it can, that can be something that can be used as a blessing. But I'm talking about when you have a balance and you just you're not paying it off and that interest is occurring. It's it's that is not good. And it's not biblical at all. Debit cards, I would have to say, are the most if you're going to use any form of payment like that, it is the most biblical because it is your money. Okay, and again, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but I—it's like the Lord just showed me this as I was looking for that file for the—I uh, don't know—one of the things I was looking up, and I looked over, and this is here, and it's called debt and the curse, and I'm like, well, He's not even going to cover that, Derek Prince. So this, again, this isn't 100% exhaustive, but you can be destroyed for lack of knowledge by not knowing this information or at least be very much greatly hindered. So just let me read that last sentence again. How many of us have read those verses and never gave it much thought at all as we finance that car, home remodel, new appliances, vacation, or whatever else our soul lusted for? What about mortgaging a house? I mean, mortgage means death contract. Mort means death. That's why you go to the mortuary to view dead bodies. Okay, that word mort means death. Gage means contract. So it's a death contract, a a mortgage. There's no self-righteousness here, folks. We've all been there, done that plenty. As faithful tithers for many, 10% of our business gross went to the old storehouse. Now, I've done a whole study on the Old Testament Levitical tithe compared to New Testament giving. So just key in tithe at for because that was an old testament levitical tide to keep levitical priesthood going and the temple going we don't have that today Why like, we got to build these big churches where does it say to do that in the bible they were all home churches back then there weren't there weren't all these denominations or at least down at the beginning you know, there wasn't all this, oh, we've got to have all this money to to build this big church and, and to pay all the staff and do all, you know, there's just no Bible for a lot of this. As the American church capitalized on the prosperity gospel and tithing is now mainstream greed and lust for gain has taken over much of the church from the pulpit to the pew. I mean, how many jets does an evangelist need? Well, I don't know if you're Kenneth Copeland, you need a lot or Jesse Duplantis or any of those other dudes or women. An $80 million church remodel, millionaire celebrity pastors, the list goes on. We could go on to list many, many scriptures with speak to our giving and meeting the needs of others, the majority of which the church has perverted to fund their own buildings and ministry kingdoms. True. Very true. Totally unbiblical. Meanwhile, as we look for our own miracle 100 full blessing, It didn't, It, didn't. we did a lot of things most American Christians did by buying comforts, cars, and stuff. Much of it on credit. We bought houses, real estate. During the real estate run-up, we did something I told everybody, we even did something I told everybody else never to do. We took a home equity loan on our home to buy an investment property in 2005. So the person writing this report is not, like they're admitting, I've done the same thing. You know? I mean, man, I've been paying on my school loan for like 1993 or something. So I'm not I'm not over here acting like I'm Mr. High and Mighty either. Yes, we did a good financial spanking uh, courtesy of the curse and we finally got the message get out of debt I could write the book debt for dummies but finally praise God we understood God really means he said oh no man anything what that means how about all you tithe loving preachers that hammer away at the folks with Malachi 3 9 and 10 did you teach that debt is part of the curse so if the people are in debt they're under the curse even when they tithe now I do think we should give I do, but I'm not saying it should be to giving to build some big gigantic church facade or some enrich some pastor who might be a clergy on the clergy FEMA clergy response team in their 501 C3 corporate institution. you know the Bible talks about the poor, The needy, the widows, the orphans, these types of things, which are typically those ministries and churches, if there are any, are usually the smallest ministries, if they even exist, which is totally unbiblical. So I'm just looking kind of through this because I wasn't planning on covering this. So what are some of the freebies that come with debt? How about a sense of obligation? How about worry, fear, anxiety, greed, lust for gain, gambling on the lottery, and hope of deliverance? How about economic slavery and the loss of spiritual liberty, bill pressures, the fact that if payments are not made, repossession can take place, the loss of the ability to give to others, binding the future to a pledge and a promise, family stress, Money problems break up many marriages, the loss of huge amounts of money to interest charges, and the word mortgage. Ah, the word mortgage. The French word that means, well, he's saying it means death grip, okay? But the word history. The great jurist Sir Edmund Coke, who actually invented um, the Coke company, the um, Coca-Cola, teasing, teasing. Anyway, he lived from uh, 1552 to 1634. Explain why the term mortgage comes from the old French word mort, meaning dead. Engage meaning pledge, it also means uh, contract. Gauge, pledge, contract. It seemed to him that it had to do with the doubtfulness of whether or not the mortgager will pay the debt. If the mortgager does not, then the land pledged to the mortgagee as security for the debt is taken from him forever, and so dead. And so dead to him upon condition. Anyway, this goes on and on and on. I'm gonna just go ahead and post this whole thing in here, okay? Because I've already touched on it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead, and I even give you a link to my teaching called the New Testament Giving Compared to Old Testament Levitical Tithe. I'll kind of highlight that. I'm going to put this in as part of what we're looking at here. It's about, um, I mean, it's all scriptures. It's all scriptures. This is about four pages. I'm going to add right now to this PDF. Or, well, yeah, it'll be a PDF in the form it is when I put it online. Okay, so I just added both of those things in. I added the, my teaching on biblical sexual prohibitions. I added in this debt and the curse, which is about four pages if you want to go further. I just kind of touched on, but it's it's all Bible verses. And then I also added in my my teaching, New Testament giving compared to Old Testament Levit- the Old Testament Levitical tithe. These are all important verses that are teachings that relate to kind of what we're talking about today because different and various things can bring curses on you. You could have all of this stuff going on or just maybe one of them that could be holding you back and i'm trying to see my listeners get as free from the snares of satan as possible so that they can be that they can serve the lord jesus christ maximally with no hindrances with not having all of this you know garbage around their neck dragging them down So this is the goal here. So let's go ahead and let's get back to the the teaching here from Derek Prince.
1: Acknowledge the fact that there are millions of children who are victimized by their fathers in the area of sex. Then the fourth main reason... And I mean, you know,
0: you see all the stuff with the pedophiles. And how NAMBL is literally coming out in the open now. North American Man-Boy Love Association. And they're literally putting flyers around and and they're going around piggybacking onto the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. I mean, this stuff has is, is been being done behind closed doors since antiquity. But now it's coming out in the open. Satan's taking the mask off. So we're really, I mean, if, if you've just been near this ministry at all since the last year well you're going to see that is in, in god's exposing a lot of this and a lot of these pedo pedivores and pedo predators are going down they're being arrested they're being found out these child sex trafficking rings are being broken up and i think it's because a big reason well it's god's mercy but the prayers and the fasting of the saints the abortion clinic uh, I'm i'm hoping this abortion movement will Just get dealt blow after blow after blow, with as they're as aggressive as they're trying to get. It's it's starting to wake up the Christians about this, and they're starting to see how wicked and evil this all is. So there's just there's there's a lot of um, bad that's that's going on, but a lot of this bad has been going on, and we just weren't fully aware of it. But there's also a lot of good. There's a lot of people waking up. There is, and this is a big reason why. I believe the people that are literally in Satan's camp are doing everything in the world and going full bore trying to take Christians down and to destroy this world because they're sensing that their whole facade is is crumbling at this point. So they're, they're in full desperation mode.
1: Is injustice to the weak and helpless. In my whole series of tapes, I deal with the fact that American Indians in the United States placed a curse on the White House because the American government regularly broke its treaties with the American Indians. And believe me, they know how to curse. They surely do. I mean, it's high-level witchcraft.
0: <laughs> the American, American Indians, I mean, they were they were pagan tribes and they knew how to do high-level witchcraft and that's a whole other ball of wax you know that you i could probably do a series of teachings on
1: that's why from 1860 until 1980 every president elected in the 20th year died in office you can trace that back to two things the American government's unfaithfulness to the American Indians and the fact that Abraham Lincoln who was the president elected in 1960 permitted an, a spiritist seance to be conducted in the White House by his wife who later ended in a mental institution. Wow. So you see how this thing just doesn't affect individuals it affects whole nations. Now I believe that the same would have happened to President Reagan. As you know he was attempted An attempt was made on assassinating him early in his presidency. But just before he took the oath as president, a group of us in a large meeting, combined in prayer and faith and released him from the curse. Not just him, but broke the curse over the presidency. You see how near the curse came to being fulfilled, the bullet lodged within one inch of his heart. But I believe that was God's, in a sense, vindication of the prayer that released the curse. You see. I hope you can see that this is no abstract theory. This is something that affects lives of people and nations everywhere. Then another completely different kind Jeremiah 17 verses 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm or his strength whose heart departs from the law. And this is the curse, listen. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. See that's typical of a person under a curse. Everybody else is getting the rain, the blessing. The prosperity but he in the midst of it all lives in a parched land and never sees it. Why? Because it's a curse. What's the cause of that curse? Cursed is the man who trusts in man, makes flesh his arm, relies on human ability and material resources and whose heart departs from the Lord. Now I believe that curse rests over many Christian churches. Which have tasted of the grace of God Known what it is to be blessed by his grace. But then have turned away and begun trusting in their own efforts. Their own intelligence. Their own religion. they would made flesh their arm. The blessing of God has lifted. And in its place a curse has come over those congregations. I've preached in many congregations. But I was assured we're under a curse. And you struggle and you fight and you preach. But there are very few results. Until the curse is dealt with. Without turning there in Zechariah 5, Zechariah had a vision of a scroll that contained curses on both sides. One side was on the one who stole and the other was on the one who perjured and swore falsely in the name of the Lord. And it, this curse entered into the houses of people and destroyed their houses. You See, a lot of houses are destroyed because a curse has come in. Families have broken up because of a curse. I wonder how many New Zealanders would be under a curse if you included all those who stole and perjured themselves. How many are not honest in their tax returns? (laughs) Do you realize that that could bring a curse on you? I tell you, in the United States, it would include a lot of people, and many of them would be churchgoers. Now, the next area of sources
0: is men. one caveat to that. When 100% of what you pay to the IRS literally goes to the international bankers and towards dark, dark ops and literally you're funding your own destruction, I have to throw that in as a caveat. He's not presenting it in that way, but what actually runs our, our country tax-wise are all of the other taxes other than whatever you pay into the IRS, gas tax, property tax, sales tax these types of taxes if you want to know more about that the freedom to fascism if you ever watch that documentary they killed um they killed him i believe as a result of him releasing that documentary he was a very famous man name escapes me right now but um he lists all the taxes that go to running our country at least america at the end and it's this litany long laundry list of taxes But the grace commission determined way back when reagan was in office this blue label um organization that 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 he commissioned to basically find out where is all of our where where, where's all of our taxes going well they determined that not one dime of what we pay to the internal revenue goes to running this country not one dime and essentially what it does go toward is funding our own destruction so I, I i can't just let him say that one thing without this caveat of knowing the full scope there and again it's kind of why when i play videos like this i want to be able to uh, comment which is this, this is the perfect venue because i can stop at any time i want and like I'll, I'll add in like what i said about the whole debt uh being in debt and bringing yourself under a curse or the whole sexual prohibitions thing so that we can kind of expand what's being talked about here and, and maybe bolster it even more.
1: Representing God, we just take a few. The first is Joshua. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26, after the children of Israel had miraculously captured the city of Jericho, Joshua pronounced a, per- a curse on anybody who would rebuild it. Joshua 6, 26. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates.
0: I believe they found Jericho. And what they stated about it, because it's still there where it was at, is that the walls, remember how the walls, you know, they fell down? Well... What you're not being told is that the walls didn't just fall forward or backward. If you think about it, Rahab the harlot lived on the wall. And her family was saved. Okay, So if the wall fell forward or backward, wouldn't that mean that whatever house that she had would have been destroyed? But what if the wall fell straight into the ground? That's how they found the walls of Jericho where they literally it was like they all of a sudden they just dropped straight down and let israel in and in that way i see if there was a chance for her house to be preserved it would have been that way you know it would have been where you know if it fell forward it would kind of rip the building apart if it fell backward it would you know obviously topple anything behind it but if it went straight down conceivably the houses that were along that wall could have still been preserved. So, a little interesting side note there.
1: You found the New International Version says, he shall lay its foundation at the cost of his firstborn, and at the cost of his youngest, he shall set up its gates. Now that was pronounced, (laughs) what I want to deal with tonight, round about 1300 or so before Christ, round about 800 before Christ, a man did that thing. And we can read about that in First Kings chapter 16 verse 34. First Kings chapter 16 verse 34. In his days the days of uh, King Ahab which is approximately four or five hundred years later. In his days Hael of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram his firstborn. And at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates. According to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So 500 years later, the curse pronounced by Joshua was worked out in that man who rebuilt the city. It cost him two of his children. Can you imagine the doctors of that day trying to find out the cause of their death? (laughs) No obvious medical reason. They just pined away can't find any virus, no known medical diagnosis and yet they die. The doctors didn't know that the cause went back 500 years, see, to a curse that had been pronounced by a man of God as a judgment on a city which God determined should never be rebuilt. Can you see that you may be dealing with things in your life of which the cause can go back hundreds of years. Another,
0: I paused it real quick here. I wanted to see if I could get some validation on what I'd said about Jericho. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of different theories on that. So I'm not going to be dogmatic that they fell straight in. There's other people that say, no, it actually fell forward. If it did though, rahab's house would have still had to have been preserved is the whole point because if that had been destroyed then her whole family would have been destroyed and then you know then the bible couldn't have well it it wouldn't have said that about rahab okay where where you know she was spared anyway let's go forward here i'm getting off on tangents here sorry
1: example is david's words in his song after the death of Saul and Jonathan. In second Samuel chapter 1 verse 21. And I have to say if you can take it in the right way David was a tremendous curser. <laughs> I don't mean in the sense we'd use it today. But he pronounced some hair raising curses on some people. I mean you read some of the psalms it makes your blood run cold just to think of it. Uh, see that's part of the ministry of a man of God. Men of God not merely bless they also curse. All right this is what he said in this beautiful song about Saul and Jonathan. Second Samuel chapter 1 verse 21. O mountains of Gilboa let there be no dew nor let there be rain upon you nor fields of offerings. For the shield of the mighty is cast away there. The shield of Saul not anointed with oil. Is it does it make sense to talk to mountains Or do you think that's just something strange? Well I want to tell you those words were spoken about 1000 years before Christ. And we're now nearly 2000 years after Christ. You can go to the mountains of Gilboa and there is no green vegetation on them still today. Wow. Trees and vegetation will grow on every other mountain all around. And the government of Israel which is very keen on reforesting the country has tried to plant trees on that mountain and they wouldn't grow. What's the reason? Words spoken by David 3,000 years ago and the visible evidence is still there in the land of Israel today. That's real. If you don't, we don't need to turn there but you remember the prophet Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. (coughs) Gehazi disobeyed Elisha Ran after Naaman after he'd been miraculously healed and asked for money and clothing and hid it from Elisha. And when he came back, Elisha said, Didn't my spirit go with you? And then he said this, The leprosy of Naaman the Syrian cleave to thee and thy seed forever. And, Naaman, uh, and Gehazi went out a leper as white as snow. What was that the result of? A curse. Pronounced by a man of God. Turn to the New Testament and Jesus. In Mark chapter 11. Beginning at verse 12. Now the next day when they, that's Jesus and the disciples had come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now I believe, I'm not going to say for absolute sure, that in that type of fig tree, before the figs come, there's a small kind of round thing that comes first, which the Arabs call nafa, which means that which falls. Jesus was not so unreasonable as to expect figs when it was not the time but he did come from the Nuffal. But the, the teaching is that if a tree doesn't bring forth the Nafal, the first preliminary thing it will not bring forth figs either. And so Jesus knew that that tree was fruitless. And what did he do? He spoke to the tree. Does that make sense? In response Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. I'm sure they thought our master is just a little bit. uh, Gone a little bit too far. Going on now to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. 24 hours later the tree was totally dry. And Peter remembering said to him. Rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Notice he said to Jesus you cursed it. That was the result. Jesus said, have faith in God. (laughs) And if you like to look just for one other passage, parallel passage in Matthew 21 verse 21. The same story says in verse 20. Well, when the disciples saw the tree, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, What was done to the fig tree? It was cursed. But he said you can also speak to a mountain. But notice he authorized them to curse things. He said you will not only do what is done to this fig tree. I tell you the power we have, if we could but realize it, is frightening. We're really rather like Moses. When God called him to go back to Egypt and deliver Israel. He said I don't have anything. What can I go with? And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? He said a shepherd's staff. The Lord said throw it on the ground. What happened? When it touched the ground it became a snake. And Moses ran from the very thing he'd been holding in his hand. Understand? And God said that's all you're going to need is your staff. Go back to Egypt and do the job. You see a lot of us are like that. We're holding a staff in our hands. We don't realize that if we throw it on the ground it can turn to a snake. Let me tell you a story, it's a true story. Um, About 1965 I was associate pastor in a church in Chicago. And right on the corner flush with the church wall to wall with the church was a saloon, a pub whatever you call them here. Not only did they sell alcohol but it was a place of prostitution and a place of drugs, illicit drugs. And we were having a prayer meeting in the church sometime in October And I was on the platform, one of those leading the prayer meeting, and without premeditation, I stood up on the platform and I said in the name of Jesus I curse that pub, that salute. I didn't think much more about it. Just about Christmas time, I think just after Christmas at 4 a.m. there was a phone call in our house. Brother Prince, the church is burning. Would you like to come and see it? Well I, it's very cold in Chicago and when at 4 a.m. it was probably 20 degrees below zero. I thought no I really don't want to go and see it. Then I thought if I don't show any interest in the church burning people would think I'm pretty indifferent. So Ruth, um, my first wife Lydia and I got into the car and drove down and when we got near it there were the flames up in the sky and the smoke rising in billows. But when we got there we discovered it wasn't the church. It was the liquor store, the pub. But the wind was blowing off the lake, Lake Michigan. And you call Wellington, Windy City. Let me tell you Chicago is also called Windy City. It's very similar in that respect. And the wind was blowing the flames right onto the church. And as we got there, the wind changed 180 degrees and blew the flames in exactly the opposite direction away from the church. The result was the, the, the pub was completely destroyed and the church suffered nothing but smoke damage. And the fire chief of the Chicago fire brigade said to one of the elders. He said, you people must have a special relationship with the man upstairs. But that, you know what, that, what was the, that was the result of? A curse. When I saw what had happened, I thought, brother Prince, you better be pretty careful how you pray from now on. I didn't, I was like Moses. I was scared by what I had in my hand. you understand? All right. <clears throat> now another source of curses and this is very important. Is people with relational authority. God has so ordered human society that in certain situations one person has authority over another person or person. The most obvious example is a father, who according to the word of God has authority over his family. Whether people like it or not, whether they fight it or not, is absolutely unimportant. The fact is he has authority over his family. If he doesn't use it, that's his problem. Another person who has authority is a husband over his wife. They're very closely related. The Bible says, God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the husband, the husband is the head of the woman women's labors can say what they like about it but the fact remains it's true and they can't change it by objecting to it and I'm not anti-women. I think that's obvious. Never has been my problem (laughs) uh, I better not get into that. (laughs) Well Where are we? Yeah. Let's take the the case of Jacob and his family. Jacob had served for a long time, more than 14 years with his uncle Laban. He'd acquired two wives and two concubines and 11 children. And then he decided to flee back to the land that God had promised him. And he fled secretly because he was afraid that his uncle Laban would claim his wives back. You understand? Or his daughters back who were Jacob's wives. Well Laban pursued after him and eventually caught up with him um, quite near the boundary of the land of Canaan. Now when they fled Rachel who was the daughter of Laban and the second wife of Jacob stole her father's household gods. Now first of all he shouldn't have had household gods. And secondly, she shouldn't have stolen them, but she did. These were like idols that she stole, that they worshipped. And <clears throat> Laban was extremely angry because his household gods had been taken, his little images, you know, that protected him, etc., etc. You know, the oh. kind of thing that people keep, which is totally against the will of God. So. Laban catches up with Jacob and he says, Why did you take my daughters without saying goodbye? And he said, Well, I was afraid you'd take them back. And Laban said, Well, secondly, why did you steal my household gods? Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had taken them. And Rachel succeeded by a very typically feminine ruse from uh, allowing uh, Laban to discover where they were. So. Jacob was very indignant because he'd been accused of stealing his father-in-law's gods and he hadn't hadn't done anything with them. And so he said just this one verse about the household gods in Genesis 31 verse 32. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. But the Hebrew says, let him not live. You understand? Now that's a curse let him not live. And it was pronounced by Jacob the husband of Rachel. And he had authority over Rachel. It was not an empty word. It was a word that was charged with his authority. You know what happened. You know the story. The next time Rachel had a child she died in childbirth. See Jacob had pronounced the destiny of his wife. Wow. Now this comes very close home. Another person as I've already mentioned is a father. Second to the blessing of God, the most desirable thing in life is a father's blessing.
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop it right there and cuz I'm really running on close on time here and we will go to part 2 and I'll probably back this up just a hair just so we'll get this last part so uh, we will see you in part two and God bless you
2: Scott Johnson's 1000 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com that's C-O-N-T-E-N. D-I-N-G F O R T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian Current Event and Health Email Newsletter. You can sign up at ContendingForTruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70, Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.